0: Welcome to the Memoirs of Abiding podcast. I am Chris Bryant. We wanted to start something a little different, counter to what many have been taught or learned through experience. Our topics will be practical and theological, focusing on what the early church saw. What we are going to talk about isn't some new idea, rather an old idea gaining traction again. Our tell is sharing our experiences and looking at the Bible and this material. Our ask is that you will take it into your own devotion time and ask the Lord how to best apply it. We will continue to talk about this material each week, and we have blogs addressing practical applications at www.memoirsofabiding.com. We hope you experience God through talking about His Word with us. Today, I've got my co-host, Ricky Brooks, back on here with me. Ricky, it's always a pleasure to have you on here.
1: And it's always a pleasure for me to be here with you. And, uh, Thank you again for all your your great work.
0: Hey, I'm glad that we're able to to talk about this stuff. It's it's getting real, you know. Being able to talk about identity is is a something I don't think we talk about very much. So I think it's a it's a big one. Today we're gonna continue on what we talked about last week. We started talking about the five great miracles. We talked briefly about each of them, but then I I kind of mentioned this idea. Uh, that we were going to go into a question that we got from one of the discipleship groups. Ricky, you had brought up an idea that for our listeners to pose a question. And so we got a question from one of the, the discipleship groups. And the question was, all of this stuff that you're talking about is great, Ricky and Chris, but how do I get this idea from my head to my heart? This is in relation to this identity piece. How do I get this from my head to my heart? I know it in my head, but I just don't believe it in my heart.
1: Yeah. You're asking me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, we, we <laughs> wait for one of the, the viewers, the listeners.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. So it comes back to what we have said in the past. Uh, you know, the the necessity of. Experiencing the presence of God uh, is is at the core of this question, how do I get it from my head to my heart? Because it's one thing to know something theoretically. It's another thing to be motivated by it. And motivation comes along emotionally. And, And God recognizes that. And so whether we're talking about spiritual victory or we're talking about spiritual defeat, emotions are part of that conversation. For example, as we've talked about on numerous occasions at the fall, when sin enters the world, desire is a part of that. In the New Testament, we get the word lust, you know, we have other words, avarice and uh, covetousness and jealousy and all of those kind of things all of those are emotional responses to life so on the sin side desire or emotion is involved but in john 15 11, when jesus says if you abide in me if you abide in my word you abide in my love you abide in my work even if you abide in my suffering he said my joy will be made complete in you so now he introduces a word that is emotional joy. And, and there are words that go along with that, contentment, peace, rest, right? Uh, so he wants us to be able to experience that kind of fellowship in, the, in his and the Father's and the Spirit's presence that overrides the force or the strength of the things that keep us from abiding. So if desire is always involved in sin, so also is the result of abiding in the Lord joy and peace and contentment. So moving from head knowledge to heart knowledge, from intellectual knowledge to emotional knowledge, is the concept of realizing that when God speaks to us in real time, by our abiding in him and his word, his work, his presence, we recognize his presence. And in recognizing his presence, we experience those aha moments that produce joy. Oh God, you really are here with me. And so when we talk about the five great miracles, or for that matter, any other biblical truth, it penetrates us deeper emotionally when we recognize that God's at work in our life. So then there's all of those telltale ways that we know that God's at work in our lives Where you know, so you've mentioned Romans 12 to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So how do I know that God's renewing my mind? Well, there's the fruit of the spirit. I see myself increasing in the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, and all of that. That can't happen apart from the miraculous work of God in my life. I can't will those into being, and even if I will them into being, I know that I'm just doing it as a result of my sheer willpower, and I'll start becoming exhausted by it, and so I'll know that that's not the work of God in my life, it's just me forcing it through, but when I'm in partnership with God by abiding, and the true joy of the Lord is manifest by my recognizing him working in my life, like, for instance, when I realize I am growing, or as he tells us in John 14 when the spirit speaks to me through the word of God and the word of God that I poured away in my heart the written word now comes to me in these unique wonderful experiences I have an aha moment there you are again God it is that ongoing moment by moment day in and day out thrill of experiencing the presence of God that moves these truths from my head to my heart so now If we were to look at all five of these, how how can I get the sudden burst of energy and joy that God wants me to have when I stop to think of the doctrine of redemption? I've been forgiven of my sins. When I think of the doctrine of justification that I've been declared innocent, when I think of the doctrine of adoption that I'm no longer an orphan, I'm God's child and reconciliation and regeneration. Wow, something supernatural has happened to me. Well, then the illuminating work of God in my life, in reference to all five of those, will produce excitement, and thrill, contentment. So learning more about them, hiding that away in my, my heart, and then thinking about it and praying about it in the warp and woof of life. So I'm facing a difficult time, for instance, maybe, I don't know, maybe somebody I love has died. Maybe a spouse has yelled at his or her spouse, or maybe, you know, a 13 year old child has come home with a report that, you know, mystifies the parents. Well, how in the world did this happen in my child's life? Uh, Is it possible that in that moment of time, the very thought of, adoption okay lord thank you for reminding me that i'm your adopted child there's a connection there you know for instance with the 13 year old child uh, my kid also belongs to you Uh, maybe that child has received christ maybe he or she has not but the illuminating work of god can settle my heart my troubled heart can be settled by God reminding me of adoption or redemption or reconciliation, I can say, "Whoa, hold on, Ricky. Um, The problem that you're being confronted with right now is also subject to the great truth of abiding. Maybe the trouble is with somebody else. Maybe, you know, the old, you know, that old verbiage, uh, nobody knows the trouble I know. Right. Maybe the only reason I have trouble is because of other people. <laughs> Maybe my life is just like Hunky Dory. But if it wasn't for other people, I would have no trouble. <laughs> okay. Uh, even if it, even if I could, even if I could somehow claim that, I can stop and be reminded of. But Ricky, that person, if they're a believer, is also my adopted child. I I forgave them like they forgave like I forgave you. When I could stop and go, but Lord, they don't even know you. Well, there was a time when you didn't know me. You know, Ricky, my hope is that everybody is, a pre, is, if not already a follower, is a pre-follower. That's why I have you on that little pebble down there called Earth, so that you can tell people about me. So calm down, chill out, relax. Yeah. I'm still large and in charge, right? Right? And then, of course, my reconciled mind, because it's been supernaturally transformed, will be alerted and I'll go, Yes, and of, of course, you're right. And in a real way, not just a duty thing, not just uh, conceding because I have to, because it's the right thing, the Christian thing to do, but my mind has been reconciled. And now, through abiding and being transformed by the renewing of my mind, reconciliation the supernatural truth of it, my mind literally does stop and go, huh, you're absolutely right. Why am I so, why do I keep fretting over this? Let me, I, I can now rest. So that was a big mouthful. I don't know if that helps or not.
0: Oh yeah. I like that. I like the insight with that too. What the excitement for me, that excitement when the Lord brings about a truth from his word into my life and affirms that I am, a part of his kingdom. Yeah, I, I, that's probably what helped solidify it over the past few years. You mentioned reading the word of God too, allowing it to transform us. It's kind of one of the big pillars that I imagined with abiding is, you know, we walked through it and there's the three that kind of came to mind for me was reading God's word for transformation, not information, living a life of dependence through submission and surrender to him, And then that idea of illumination and the word of God is so central to that. Without it, we, we just, we fall short. We can't, we can't get the Lord's voice constantly reminding us of this scripture, of this scripture, of this scripture. Maybe we only know one, you know, there's, there's some people in China that they have to smuggle in little tiny fortune cookie verses and yeah. And that's what they hold on to. And that's what the Lord reminds them of um, in those moments. But yeah, Romans 12 too, you know, the, the transforming comes from God's word and we see that. And so I, I was thinking on this the other day. And as we let only the word of God transform us, we read it deeply. We talked before about how to meditate on it. You know, it may take, I think Allison was the one that mentioned she was in, uh, I can't remember what, what chapter of the Bible, I think it was Colossians or something, but she said, you know, three or four weeks alone, daily devotions in one chapter of Colossians or wherever it was, but meditating on it every single day, talking about it, sharing it with friends, sharing something that the Lord had brought up through that. It starts to transform our thinking on that stuff. We start to develop the mind of Christ, and the more we allow our reading to transform us and not just necessarily inform us, we find it sink from our head into our hearts. Uh, It becomes a part of us. So every time I kind of came to this, this conclusion, but every word inspired by God in this Bible, which is every single one, there's a reason he he inspired it in that specific spot with that specific Hebrew or Greek word. Like there was a reason. He didn't just arbitrarily allow, arbitrarily allow someone to choose something outside of what he wanted, hence the inspiration. So there must be a reason why God does and says what he does and what he says. He's not arbitrary. So if we know this to be true, then I started thinking going down this logical path that's true, then when we look at the word of God, we confidently know that he had those specific words and sentences inspired in the order that they are in for a reason. So then there must be a reason the Lord commanded the Israelites. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, with all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands I'm giving you today. But here's the big one. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're away on a journey, when you're lying down and when you're getting up. Again, tie them to your hands as a reminder. Wear them on your forehead. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. We find that in Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 9. But again, in Deuteronomy eleven eighteen, we see, so commit yourselves completely. To these words of mine, tie them to your hands as a reminder, wear them on your forehead, teach them to your children, talk about them when you're at home and when you're away on a journey, when you're lying down and when you're getting up, write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates, so that as long as the sky remains above the earth, you and your children may flourish in the land the Lord gave you. So the Lord said it twice, almost dead on. Twice. Why? Well, I'm sure there's many reasons. I, I tried to think of every single one of them. But from what we've talked about, God's word transforms our understanding and our thoughts. It has the power to transport, transform what we understand and believe. So if we are surrounding our kids in it, would that not shape their identity? And if, if our children's identity is in him, will that not result in so many beautiful things for them and for us? for those that impact around them. Uh, I, I remember doing sales for a little bit in my life. And one of the things that some of the leaders would say is you got to have your daily affirmation. You write it on your mirror or you have it as a, a phone reminder, you know, your daily affirmation coaches, yeah. coaches do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you have this statement that you read a company, reading a leadership mantra each day before meetings, a school requiring kids to say the Pledge of Allegiance each day. All of these types of things shape the mind and the heart to accept what we read and affirm it as truth. So why not do that with the Word of God?
1: Yeah. Well, especially when God tells us to do that, but then unlike the Pledge of Allegiance or a love letter from a sweetheart. I remember the times I needed to be gone away from Vanita and then uh, I pack like a, a two-day bag or whatever I was going away for when I would open it up at the motel room or whatever. I'd always find these little underneath the shirt and a pair of trousers or whatever, these little notes, little stick-it notes, stick them, what's it called? Oh, stick-it. It. Post-its, post-its, oh, my goodness, little post-its with little notes about how much she loved me and missed me and stuff like that. And, and with it would be like a little, you know, little miniature bag of gummy bears or something like that. Well, those little love notes, I'd read them over and over again while I was away from her, right? But all of those are similar, like you say, but there's one beautiful, wonderful difference we in the spirit hear the word of god spoken back to us when we're walking in the flesh the only time we will hear it is when god is convicting us of hey you're walking in the spirit remember my word remember my truth and then that pulls us back so on the routine basis while we're walking in the spirit the word of god flooding our mind is more than memory more than my memorization hence that whole issue of when that occurs it's one of the powerful means god has given to us to recognize his presence and in recognizing his presence recognizing his work in my life recognizing all of that i recognize oh my goodness I really have been redeemed, forgiven of my sins. I really have been justified. I've been declared innocent, though I'm not even going to try to wrap my brain around that, how in the world God can <laughs> declare me innocent. You know, Of course, I know, understand, it's through the person of Jesus, but still, <laughs> if it's one thing I'm not, it's innocent. Yeah. Uh, that I have been adopted, I truly am a child of God. And if it was just those three, then my claim, oh, I'm not really innocent, would be true because I'm still that sinner, I'm still that old person. But in reconciliation and regeneration, we get the supernatural changing of our core being. You know, I've become born again. My mind is flipped. God has given my brain the capacity to be reconciled with him no longer alienated in thought from god and in regeneration i literally according to peter the apostle peter the inspired word of god through peter i've been given of the divine nature i've been made spirit so i have in common with god and the angels that i'm a spirit being you're a spirit being a born again believer is a spirit being so we then have everything we need to experience this joy of God. So uh, it happens in our conversations like this. For instance, we're, we're talking about it in Ephesians uh, 5.26 came up. And Ephesians 5.26 sim- simply says this. I don't want to try to, I, I could give you the gist of it, but I'd rather read it. It's in re, it's in the context of husbands and wives loving them each other the way Christ loves us, uh, which of course is submissive on both of their parts. But Jesus says, "Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her." But here's that verse. I was looking at verse twenty-six, that He might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the Word. So the washing of water is the is life, you know. So when in Ezekiel Jeremiah You'll hear, you know, uh, the water of life. It's not baptism. It's it's the supernatural work of God. So in John uh, chapter three, he who's born of the water and the Spirit—that's new life, right? So that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of of everlasting life, of uh, spiritual life, with the Word. This 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 particular word for word is uh, the idea the this this the spoken truth that guides uh, it can be a command it can be a report it can be a promise but in this case it's referencing the total work of the word of god and this word washing is the greek word catharsis which i find really interesting because even when We talk about counseling kind of in older days in counseling practices, they talk about a cathartic event. All catharsis means is to be washed, be washed over, to be altered and cleansed. So a cathartic event in a psychology class or a counseling session is have you had an emotionally charged event connected with something troubling in your past that gives you a seriously huge aha moment in which you go, oh, now I see more clearly. And even apart from God, that that could happen with someone. But the word of God helps us to be cleansed continually. God illuminating our heart, changing us from the inside out. It gets even stronger if we go to 2 Corinthians chapter ten. There's a, a cousin to the word; it's just a stronger word for washing. And it it's not just a washing of the with the with the word. It's like a like a a flood. <laughs> the the floodwaters come in and tear down the strongholds of the way we used to think, so that there's now a foundation for building up the new life in Christ. So all of that comes into play, and when it does. My heart follows my head and I, I, I have a want to, I have a, a godly desire, I have a hope, I have a driving need to be closer to God. And every time I hear his word whispered in my heart and my mind through illumination, every time I see transformation happening in my life, by no longer being of the flesh, but of the spirit and be more spirit controlled Uh, All of those different marks in scripture that tell me I'm becoming more like Jesus, it, it thrills my heart and my soul. So when I put it in the framework of the five great miracles, these particular five great miracles, I'm reminded of all the time because they're at the heart and the soul of who we are. I'm no longer in need of ransom. I'm not enslaved to my old man anymore. I don't care how much Satan rants at me about you, dirty, foul sinner. <laughs> I'm not who Satan says I am anymore. I've been justified, you know. Or the world tells me, "Oh, come on back. You know, you know, you're just wanting to live out the lives of your teenage years again, Ricky. Come on, just, just cave in." Or, uh, you know, man, it ain't gonna hurt if you are lazy for the entire week who knows, yeah, you know, in my case, you know, I'm a pastor, Chris, I only work one day a week anyway, right? That's what the world thinks. So, <laughs> how, you know, I could just lay around and nobody will know the difference. You know, I don't have anybody looking over my shoulder, well, except God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, <laughs> you know, but, uh, you know, so all of those kind of things, I'm, I'm not that child anymore, that Satan doesn't have that hold on me. He doesn't get to say, yeah, I know God says you're his, but really you're mine. No, I have a new birth certificate. I've been adopted. And if that didn't clinch it, I've been reconciled and I've been regenerated. I have supernaturally been transformed. Now, am I still growing? Yeah, because we're training the flesh, but we can train the flesh because we're a new person. Yeah. So I get to rambling because I get so excited about this stuff. And I just want everybody to, to go, okay, I'm gonna go read my Bible again and again and again, you know? Yeah. Yeah.
0: I think the, the key word you said though, is growing, right? It's not, I don't all of a sudden have this aha moment. And then my faith is impenetrable for me, Ricky, when I, I mean, you've known me since 2005 when I first attended um, church. You are like
1: an altered life form at that point.
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I had hair. That's what I had, (laughs) but you know, walking through even doing something similar to our, our discipleship, just in a small group, and then walking through the birthright book with you and in, in a Bible study. And then I, I went off, got a different duty station, eventually came back to you after I had had some struggles in the marriage. And then unfortunately that, that ended in a divorce and I was just crushed. I shared yeah. that a little bit yeah. before, but I was so crushed my identity was just it was just flailing in the wind. It didn't really know yeah, what. And so I struggled when when you brought these things up and you're like, yeah, yeah, you're you're redeemed. Yeah, yeah, you're adopted. And I knew the verses, but it, in my head I could recite them, but in my heart I'm like, yeah, but I I get it. Like that guy over there and that girl right there, they're redeemed. Yeah. I could see that for sure. And I could tell him that. But then for me, it, there was a block. There was like this mental block that was stopping anything from going out for my head south. Yeah. And it took just what you're describing, that little bit of God saying, hey, remember this verse? That's you. And just slowly knocking on my door, sending those little love notes, those little love texts to my head. And when he would provide for me in a way, like I couldn't, I couldn't pay for groceries. You know, there was, there was a really tight financial situation that went through for a few years and it was like, I, I had no groceries and for me, it was okay. But when I had my kids, I definitely needed food. And I I said, I don't, I don't know how this is going to happen. And I freaked out. I tried to control it and figure out, but when the Lord provided in that and he said, see, I provide for you. And it was like, wow, yeah, you actually, you did. I didn't expect that. Like I would have expected that for her over there. And I prayed for it to happen in her life. But for mine, I no, I'm, I'm unredeemable. And so it was through those little incidents, just a little bit of the tender mercies that he brings into our lives each day that I started seeing his work. And it was like, oh, he, he does love me. Okay, so when the Bible says that you surround my life with good things, like in, in Psalm 103. Oh, okay. Well, if, if that's true, then maybe he did really adopt me into his kingdom. You know, maybe, maybe he did justify me. Maybe I, maybe I am righteous. And that slow, inch by inch, I was like the one talent. I felt like I was a five-talent guy when you first met me. You know, I I was on fire. I was ready to go as a, a Navy chaplain and then just a layman. And and then all this stuff shook me. And I, I went back to the one talent guy who's was like, well, I'm just going to bury this. And, you know, I'm afraid. But then he gave me a little bit, a little bit of interest here, a little bit. Uh, Here's two talents, Chris. Wow. You're really going to trust me with two. And it was like that inch by inch. And now my faith has grown like a wildfire over the past two, two years alone. And I'm able to accept these terms in my heart and fully know it. And then it reaffirms in my head logically that this makes sense. Like before it was like, yeah, the Bible said it, I read it. And now I believe it. Um, But now I can like logically walk someone through this because Mm -hmm. it hit my heart. And now I fully believe it, not only because God said it, but because I've seen it. And then now I can describe it. So it's yeah. like that inch by inch
1: faith. Yeah, that's really good. The other thing too that I, I, I believe is important to say is we can understand this by understanding what it's not also. So we are not talking about recognizing the presence of God through a wonderful emotional music set at church or a concert. That may happen but we'll search in vain for a, for a for a continual thread of truth in the word of God that the emotional charge we get from events is God's method of displaying his presence to us. For instance, if I have a big victory at work or at school, right, I just feel really good about that. Or, you know, you'll oftentimes hear people when they go on short-term missions trips, right? They're gone for a couple of weeks and they go, man, I've never known the presence of God like I did there. Well, they had incredible emotional experiences when they held the hand of a little five-year-old child in a destitute village in the Dominican Republic or, or an African country or something like that and saw that just the smallest tiny act of kindness in their heart was like they had been showered with, you know, a year's supply of Dairy Queen ice cream. Right. And, and so they, they're emotionally charged or uh, open doors and closed doors and a, a number of different ways that we talk about, discerning or seeing the will of God or the presence of God in our life that the Bible doesn't refer to. Uh, One author says, uh, said, Moses had his burning bush, you will too. Moses had his burning bush event, you will too. When he went on to describe it, one of the burning bush events that he talked about was a pastor at one church was thinking about a particularly new ministry. A pastor at another church that he knew in a city, a different city, was thinking about the same type of ministry, new to both churches. They chatted, oh, you're thinking about the same thing? Well, that's the Lord talking to us. Really? (laughs) But you don't find that in scripture. But we do see what you read in, in Deuteronomy chapter 6. We do see what we've mentioned in Ephesians 5. We do see what, what it says in Romans chapter 12. Over and over and over and over and over and over again, the common thread all the way through the 66 books of the Bible is the word of God, the spoken and then written inspired word of God contained in the Bible for us is every bit as much the word of God, as if he was here speaking to us audibly, we could see him and he was speaking to us audibly. There's no distinction in that, in that passage of scripture other than yes, there are some minor flaws because of historical issues in the Bible, but, but less than fractions and nothing that changes the doctrine of the word of God. And then when we have the promise of God saying, I will talk to you via my word, wow, I mean, then every moment of our life is ab- available to knowing his presence, as opposed to waiting for those aha, wonderful moments of being charged emotionally because the music was so awesome, or charged emotionally because the preacher told a, a gripping, wonderful illustrative story that caused me to cry, or, or whatever it might happen to be. I'm not suggesting that God is not in those moments, but I am suggesting, I'm, I'm confirming that scripture doesn't teach those as how to experience the presence of God. It does teach us that we can experience the presence of God through the illumination of the word of God. You know, again, distinguishing between illumination and inspiration. Inspiration is when God gave to the prophets and the apostles new revelation hadn't been shared before to the world through them. Illumination is looking back at that inspired truth and the Holy Spirit guiding us to portions of it or all of it or whatever part he wants us to see. So I think knowing how not to do it is just as important as knowing how to do it for instance when when you were talking about you know lord i i I can get by without food but you know i have children in the house well you're only responding to the promises of god god never promised you that he would make you a bazillionaire he did say i'll never leave you or forsake you i'm always going to be with you there's always going to be a way forward and so that and i remember some of those times when you'd be kind of you know overwhelmed with uh with uh what sort of looking for with thanksgiving and uh and i don't know appreciation just filled with 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 joy that Absolutely. that i you know that some of those gifts came from places you never anticipated them exactly. folks in your people in your church just you know that you might not even have known knew about your situation, stuff like that. So there you are pouring your heart out to God and he's working in someone else's life. Well, again, that's not outside the work of illumination. You know, God has promised you he'll never leave you nor forsake you. You began to experience that in real time that increased your trust, your faith in him. You're able to go, okay, just relax. I'm not going to sit here and do nothing because that's not what God asked me to do but neither am I going to get all emotive and all worked up and have my kids scared. And daddy, daddy, where are we going to get a sandwich? (laughs) You know, that kind of thing, just rest. And lo and behold, God always comes alongside and fulfills the truth of his word. He'll always fulfill the promises of his word. He won't, he's not under any kind of obligation to fulfill promises that we create in our own mind because of our emotionalism. So I think it's important to know what it what it isn't as much as it is important to know what it is, how to get from the head to the heart. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But it's a process. It's a journey. It's
1: an, it is a journey. You get better at it. Yeah. Or I should say God develops us and causes us to be better at it. Sure. Because we don't accomplish any of it on our own. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I couldn't, I couldn't even imagine going through the things that's happening in my life right now four years ago and being able to survive what were happening, you know, what's, what's going on. And so it's, it's in that faith that I've already built up over the past few years. It's me knowing my identity, knowing that the promises of God are always fulfilled for his great purpose and realizing as I surrender, right. Living a life of dependence through submission and surrender That by surrendering, I have a greater chance of having beautiful things occur in my life than I would if I tried to take the reins, which I have also tried to take the reins (laughs) many a time. (laughs) And I've had many conversations with God saying, yep, I failed that one. I I get it.
1: Yeah. Well, that's and that's another that's another one of the things that it's not just by abiding. By seeing God at work in our life, I think some people have the expectation, "Oh, then everything's going to be hunky dory." That's what that's what Jesus meant in John fifteen eleven when he said, "And my joy will be made full in you." No, because later in John fifteen he says, "Trust me, if the world hates me, it's going to hate you too." Yeah. So we're not saying that abiding in Christ removes us from the pains of this world. I mean, just before we started the podcast uh, this evening, you were lamenting trouble. And I, and I could have, I could have spent an equal amount of time in my own life of lamenting, lamenting the, the hardships that I feel in my mind and stuff like that. So it's not the taking away of problems. It is, the settledness, the joy, the peace, and the contentment, so that pain and sorrow are equal partners in peace and sanctification in our life. God never promised to take away the pain, the sorrows, the adversity, not 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 till heaven. <laughs> right we're gonna we're on planet earth we're gonna face adversity we're gonna have these things but now in abiding five great miracles at work in our life we get to translate that pain into his glory so he wants us to feel the hurt um he wants us to know what the world feels like so that's not going away
0: yeah Yeah, and even in Romans (laughs) 5 Paul Paul addresses why we we don't want that to occur, right? He says in Romans 5, verse 3, and not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations or our trials, our storms, knowing that tribulations bring about perseverance and perseverance proven character and proven character hope and hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. It's in those storms that our faith is truly tested and brought to this, this greater measure.
1: Yeah, that is, and that's the bottom line. I think when people say, well, Ricky, can I learn to abide enough that it will overcome my desire to leave my spouse? The answer is yes. Can I abide close enough with Jesus that I quit running from job to job? The answer is yes but it also somehow misses the mark as well, because it's not about not going from job to job. It's about <laughs> the sufficiency of Christ in my life. Cause it's yes. And yes. And yes, again, it's the meta counseling. You know, I don't really spend a lot of time in breaking down, uh, helping people to break down what they're doing wrong in communication. It's just, it's as simple as saying, if you'll learn this truth about abiding in the savior, you'll become a nicer person. You'll become a more patient person. In fact, you'll become long suffering. And you and long suffering won't mean that you're suffering. It means you're being patient. You are you are enduring with other people, and you're enduring it the way Christ would endure in the presence and the peace of the Father, right? So, yes, you'll be a better at all those things but it's only because your great joy is in the presence of god you know because abiding just means in reality i think becoming more like jesus you know we become like the one we love the most Yeah, yeah yeah
0: so bringing us back to our topic of this month identity it's understanding these five miracles these truths And when we talk about how do we make it from our head to our heart, that's the settling of your identity. That is, when you move that from your head to your heart, that's your identity. Your identity is, I'm redeemed by the Holy One. I'm reconciled. I'm justified. I'm adopted. I'm regenerated. I am something new. And once that hits our heart, that's when we find our identity is in the right spot.
1: Yeah. Amen. Yeah. yeah. When I was, a, when I was a little boy, it's probably four, maybe about four. We went to visit my aunt and uncle in a different state. And uh, we were there for a couple of days, just visiting, you know, and my mom and uh, my aunt, we're at the kitchen table and they were painting one another's they were painting their fingernails they're putting this right bright red polish on their fingers fingernails i'm like ooh, you know i was thinking like uh war movies or you know cowboy movies you know and like war paint or something like that Oh, okay <laughs> and i'm like i'm like i want that and they're like you sure and my mom says you know typically speaking i know this politically incorrect but it's still the truth you know she said you know it's not something little boys typically do and i go yeah i want some (laughs) i want my i want my fingernails painted i said oh okay so you know i'm blowing them dry you know because i'll get out backyard play with the cousins and the other neighborhood kids that i'd met the last couple of days right so i go running out there with my bright red fingernails (laughs) (laughs) to show off my war paint or whatever it is I was wanting to call it and man they unleashed a barrage of the most Uh. the most cruel unmerciful stuff and I'm like what so I you know I turn around like a you know a puppy with his tail between his legs I just run back in the house crying take it off take it off take it off and you know and I ran into the arms of my mom you know and my dad was there too because we were on vacation. He came over and he was his comfort. His comfort level was a little different than my mom's, but he he joined in. They put their arms around me and and my mom says, she says it's going to be okay. I got this stuff right here and she took you know cotton swab and yeah. put it in the the remover stuff and she started to wash it off and everything. <laughs> I'm crying the whole time, but in the midst of my adversity, what did I do? I ran into the arms of mom and dad and it didn't erase the pain. I'm still talking about it to this day. It's a great illustration. So it must've, it it, it landed in my brain, didn't it? It stayed there forever and it will always be there.
0: You haven't painted Um, your fingernails since.
1: uh, Not once. Yeah. (laughs) And, uh, and I'll and I'll and I'll take the abuse and the heap uh, the, the hostility of somebody saying that was a terrible illustration in this day and age. I'm like, well, I know that you're gonna think that, but I don't think so. I think it, it fits. And but my point is, is we are the child, the children of God. And his thoughts and his emotions are meant for me. And just as the comfort and the nourishment of my mom and dad in that, that time, it didn't take the hurt away because in the next half hour, I had to be back. I, I was going to go outside. And even though the, the paint was gone, the fingernail was gone, fingernail polish was gone. <laughs> they were not done with their abusive conversation towards me right sure but but my mom and my dad said okay then when you go back out they're still going to talk about it you know but don't worry about it it was just just a thing you just you just keep in mind that you're a brooks we love you you know the same kind of conversation the adversity doesn't go away but the truth of the greater parent god the father is in our heart and our soul when we abide yeah the illuminating work of God is the is, I think, his best way of showing us that he's alive and well in our, our life. He's right here with us. Yeah.
0: Well, Amen. I think that's a good good stopping spot. Um, we've got one more week of identity. Next week we're gonna we're gonna go back over those five major miracles of salvation and, and break it down a little bit more. But I hope that you can hear and what we're saying is this isn't a, a, a quick fix kind of a thing. This is this is a, a lifelong journey of walking through just what the disciples walked through with Jesus for their three years and then the eight or 10 years after that of discipling other people. So hold on, just just hang on to him. Through that, uh, through that journey. Amen.
1: Amen.
0: Well, we want to end with an important scripture that reminds us to abide in him. John 14:23. Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our abode with him. So as you walk through this week, we encourage you to review the scriptures and the themes we talk about and ask the Holy Spirit to team up with you bring this information to life personally in your walk. Thank you for listening, and God bless.